All right. Good morning, Trinity Church. How are we doing? All right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I am not Todd. My name is Hilke Hilkema, student ministries pastor. Todd is dropping off his daughter at college, so it's a big, a big weekend for, for them. We are talking about prayer today, and um, it's always, I always enjoy praying with my kids. It's kind of funny sometimes, the kind of things they pray for. And um, here are things not necessarily my kids have prayed for, uh, but uh, other kids have that I looked up. I'll give you a couple examples here. It says, uh, Dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. I'm not sure about that. Um, please take care of him. Sorry if he chews on your sandals. <laughs> I think that's very considerate. Very considerate prayer. Dear God, my mom tells me that you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. Can I get an amen? Okay. Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really don't want to have to ask her to move out. I really want a cat. It's reasonable. Dear God, thank you for my baby brother. But what I prayed for was a puppy. Okay? Um, dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up, but without so much hair all over. Okay? That's a reasonable request. Um, and then, dear God, when my mom makes leftovers, do I have to pray for the food again? <laughs> I think that's a really great question. Um, I would say, let's make that a point of application for this morning, maybe at lunch, just talk about what do you guys think? Take a vote around the table and you guys can decide that together. Well, this morning we're talking about praying, praying for one another, and um, we're in the middle of a series of where you fit at Trinity. It's a really important series for us. And if this is your first time here or you've been coming for 30 years, and I know we have some of each in that category, we believe that you have a place here at Trinity. And uh, we also believe that, that God has a plan for your life here at Trinity. We started off our series uh, the first two weeks talking about serving and uh, discovering from Scripture that God has given you gifts and passions that He wants to see you use and utilize for His kingdom, serving the church, building it up, making it stronger, adding to the mission. And we had uh, a number of opportunities out on the plaza where you could sign up and join one of our ministry teams, and many of you guys did. If you haven't taken that step yet, I wanna continue to encourage you to, to jump on board, get in the game. Um, it, it's a lot more fun in the game than on the sidelines, seeing God move and, and, and use you. That's the first sermon. <laughs> Second sermon. All right, now, um, Todd, started talking about small groups last week. And he talked about uh, what it means to love one another. It's a command of scripture that we're commanded to, to follow through, to love one another. And, and the way that happens really well in terms of how our, our church functions is in our, in our home groups, our women's groups, our men's groups, in our small groups of various kinds to put these commands into practice to love one another. Similarly, this morning, we're looking at a command to Pray for one another. And rather than just turning to a passage of scripture that says, pray for one another and tell you that is a command, you should do that. Um, 
we're actually going to look at an example. Paul has praised many prayers in his letters. Many times he's praying for the people that he loves and, and cares about. Uh, so I want to take a look at, at a prayer that, that, that Paul prays for, for, for his uh, Ephesian church and that we would glean from that. And I think you'll find that he prays for more than just, you know, God not chewing up the sandals or, or the dog not chewing up his sandals. He's not praying about broccoli. He's not praying for puppies. He's not praying for the sniffles, you know, uh, having a cold. There's so much substance in his prayer that really should uh, inform our own prayer life and in terms of how we come before God and what we come before God with in our requests. Uh, so it's an incredible prayer. Would you turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and we'll, we'll dive right in because we'll see that, that Paul's going to pray for the power of God. That the Ephesians would experience the power of God, but also the presence of God. That they would grasp the love of God, and they would be filled with the fullness of God. And we're going to unpack all that this morning. We're going to start at verse 14. So if you take your Bibles, follow along, that would be awesome. It starts off like this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Starts out, for this reason. What's the reason? Glad you asked. Okay. Um, well, you see, the basis for Paul's prayer, the basis for Paul's prayer is his confidence in who God is, his confidence in God's will and purposes, because he spelled them out earlier in the book of Ephesians. His, he, he, he believes so strongly that one of God, the Father's purposes, is to make people alive in Christ. And, and not only that, but also to, to, um, to, to unite and, and reconcile man to God, but also to break down barriers between Jew and Gentile, creating one humanity before God, and then he, he is fiercely committed. In chapter 3 earlier, he talks about just having such confidence and, and, and uh, so fiercely committed to God's redemptive plan as it's carried out through his church with a capital C. He knows that God is working. God is on the move, and he wants to use his church. He wants to use the Ephesian church. He wants to use Trinity Church. And that's you. That's me. And, and that, that confidence leads him to pray a pretty powerful prayer. He says this, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You see, Paul knows who he's praying to. So he humbles himself because that is the appropriate response when you're praying to the Almighty God, who is above every family in heaven and on earth. What he's talking about there is that he is above anything and anyone here on earth, and he is above anything and anyone that is in heaven. That means angelic powers, demonic powers. He is above it all because he is almighty God. There is no one like him. He is all powerful. No one compares 
Now that's a God we can pray to. That's a God that we can be confident. We can be confident that he wants to move in and through us. Verse 16. Here he prays, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So the first thing he prays for is a prayer for the strength of God. A prayer for the strength of God. He says that he may strengthen you with power. Literally it reads that you would be empowered with power. Seems a bit redundant. And that's for emphasis. Because Paul, he he envisions believers, followers of Jesus that flourish. He envisions disciples of Jesus that thrive. Not a bunch of weak Christians floundering, kind of figuring out their way, kind of lost. He wants followers of Jesus to walk in the strength of God given to them through the Holy Spirit What is the source? It says, out of his glorious riches. The source of this strengthening is is, is God's glory. His God, God's glory, his his almightiness. It, It is an infinite supply of power. It will never run out. And it is given to us through the spirit. And we are strengthened in our inner being. And our inner being, most commonly, the Bible talks about the heart. It is our, it's our moral center. It's our spiritual center of who we are. It's, it's where our decisions are made. It is the center of who we are. And Paul prays that the Holy Spirit would strengthen us. It is no surprise then, if you look at other portions of Scripture, talking about the Holy Spirit, what is he often called? Our helper. Our helper, not our little buddy. Come on, little buddy. Come on. That's not the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. And and helper means a source of strength. Because our God is a helper. The Holy Spirit is our source of strength. Tapped into the glory of God almightiness, all-powerful God, giving you strength in your inner being. That's what Paul prays for you. Now, let's take a little poll here um, about when you drive. I know we got some young drivers over here. Stay away from them. Um, and, uh, and when you drive and you see the, the, the gas tank um, kind of going down. Anyone, does anyone share the philosophy of you get that needle as low as you can go? It's basically a game of how low can we go? Anyone? Let's see. Let's, let's put your hands up. Anyone, how low can you go? Awesome. Confession, just yesterday I was down, it says, it said one mile remaining and I drove all day. So it was great. Um, I did fill up I did fill up that day, but um, not because I needed to. It's more because I wanted to. Now, others of you, you begin to get, like, anxiety when it's, like, slightly past half. I'm like, give me a break. You got, you got months. I mean, come on. Um, how many of you guys fill up at, like, a quarter? Anyone fill, at a, fill up at a quarter? 
Why? Oh, that is, I don't understand. I do, wow, that was, man, I, a quarter. Okay. I would, I would encourage you to, to, to see how low you can go. That, that's, I've never run out of gas, by the way, and I probably shouldn't say that out loud, but I've never run out of gas. However, it is a terrible, it is a terrible philosophy when it comes to our spiritual life. Doesn't work. It's not like, oh, how, how low can I go? I'm just gonna go, come to church, kind of get recharged, sweet worship, I kind of feel good. Do it again next week. And you kind of see the gas tank, it's dwindling, and you're like, oh, I can go a little more, I can go a little more. It's not how it works. When, when, when Paul prays that we would be strengthened in our inner being, it's not just a, a one and done, like once a week. We receive strength through the Holy Spirit in our inner being as we commune with God, as we fellowship with God daily. The first thing he prays for is the power of God. And the second thing he prays for is a prayer for the presence of God. Really powerful. Verse 17, look at, look at it with me. Um, he says that, you know, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. A really great statement. He prays that they would increasingly experience their nearness of God through the indwelling presence of Christ in their hearts. In their hearts. If you look in your Bibles, verse 17 starts off probably with so. I think more accurately, it's and. Paul is praying two things that are basically the same thing. It's two sides of the same coin. That we would be strengthened with the Spirit's power and that we would have the indwelling presence of Christ dwell in our hearts. The Spirit strengthens us in our inner being, which is our heart, and that Christ would indwell us in our hearts through faith. One, one uh, commentator wrote this. Believers do not experience Christ except as Spirit and do not experience the Spirit except as Christ. Oftentimes in, the, in, 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 in Paul, he talks about the Spirit of Christ. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit. And it seems like, Paul, are you, are you, being, are you confused here? No, he's just dealing with a triune God existing in perfect unity and how we experience that as believers in our limited understanding may seem like there's some blurred lines and and yes, that's that's very much intentional. The spirit of Christ, the, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, indwells you, giving us power. Why do we need spiritual strength to let Christ dwell within us? Because you get in the way. Oh, me too, by the way. Why do we need spiritual strength? Because we get in the way. Our sin gets in the way. And we, 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 we tend to want to wanna keep grabbing on to areas of our life. Because really, this is a prayer of lordship. 
making God our Lord, our master, giving him complete control of our lives, of our hearts. I found um, the illustration very helpful. I came across one, a little booklet that many of you guys have probably heard about, My Heart, Christ's Home. It's been around for a very long time. It's by Robert Munger. And he uses the illustration of my heart, Christ's home, the picture of a house representing our hearts. And he, he takes readers kind of on a tour through the house. And he might start in the living room. It's where we meet Jesus. It's where we spend time together with Jesus. It's where we connect with Jesus. We abide with him. And he asks us this morning, how are we doing with that? How's your living room? Is, is, is it too distracted in there? <coughs> with other stuff competing for your attention, or is it pretty, pretty dialed in? It's set up for, G, for you and Jesus. Then he might take you to the dining room. I like the dining room. Dining rooms make me happy. <laughs> and he examines what appetites should and should not control us. We evaluate our desires, the desires of our heart. And yes, we have wonderful desires that are God-honoring. But is it also fair to say that we may have some desires that are not? And God wants to grab a hold of those desires as he indwells you, as the presence of Christ wants to inhabit you. He might even explore some of our closets the closets of our heart, and then he starts rummaging through, and there's maybe even some things that, that we've been keeping from him. He says, what's this? I want this. I want it out. And we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen us towards obedience. When he opens our closet of our heart, and said, hey, what's this? And you're kind of busted. That the Holy Spirit would give you power in your inner being to walk in obedience. What a great picture about giving Christ control as he indwells us. So those who are strengthened by the Spirit and in whom Christ dwells will have their lives rooted and grounded in his love. It's powerful. The, um, the next thing that he prays for, number three, is, is a prayer to grasp the love of God. Look at verse 18. Paul prays that, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Verse 19. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Aren't they amazing words? Amazing. A prayer that we would grasp the love of God. Now, Paul's concern is not that, that we intellectually, intellectually understand God's love for us. Yeah, I know I've sung lots of songs about the love of God. Yeah, I get it. I get it. No, we don't. We need to continue to pray, God, I want to understand, I want to grasp your love for me. 
I need to understand it deeper. I need to understand it wider. The four magnitudes really capture just, just the magnitude of God's love. I, I threw a quote on your, on your note page by A.W. Tozer. And I love what he writes about the love of God. Because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of all spotless purity. Because he is immense, his love is an incomprehensible, vast, bottomless, shoreless sea. I thought it's really well put. You see, when we begin to grasp the love of God, it begins to permeate our hearts. And when the, when the love of God has control of our hearts and begins to impact our actions, because again, our hearts are, are, are the center, are our decision-making center. Are, this is where you and your innermost being lives. When the love of God begins to permeate and affect our decisions, we will live in a way that is honoring to him. But you see, it cannot be this surfacey thing. If we strictly um, strive for obedience out of obligation, if we strive for obedience because we're, we're trying to fit in in our little Christian subculture, like, oh, I guess I should not talk that way, or I should you know, bring my Bible, or whatever it is, if it's not motivated by love, whatever action it is that, that, that flows out of us, if it's not motivated by, by God's love for you, it's called moralism, it's called legalism, it's self-help Christianity, but it's not Jesus. It's behavioral modification, and it fails every time. If you're struggling with anger, you tell yourself, I am not gonna get angry anymore because that's not honoring to Jesus. I will stop being angry. If that doesn't start with a prayer, God, I need to understand your love for me, your love for me, so that I can obey you in this area of my life. So it's done out of love, not just behavioral modification, not just a Band-Aid on a much deeper issue. Then he prays another uh, more. He says this, it's a prayer to experience the fullness of God. In verse 19, where you read it, but let me read it again. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I mean, that's a, wow. This is not a petition that, that we would love God more, but again, that we'd be filled with God's fullness. 
In Ephesians 4.13, uh, he writes this, Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It is a process that we are working towards, that we are growing towards. In, in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, and, and uh, you should write down this reference, Colossians 2, 9 and 10, because it's really, really powerful. I feel like it captures this idea really well. Um, it says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Did you catch that? And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. We are in process of becoming what God has created to be. But maybe even more accurately is this. We are to become what we already are. Right? In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. We're to become what we already are. Now, how does this work? How do we become full of God? Came across an illustration that, that was helpful to me. Imagine you're on the beach. It's just you. As far as your eyes can see, you got the seashore to the left, to the right, and just in front of you, the vast ocean, it, it just seems to have no end. And you just seem like just a, a small dot on that beach. And you brought a jar. Maybe it's one of those cool hipster uh, mason jars, you know? And you open it up, and you allow the ocean to come in, and instantly it's full, wouldn't it be? If it's a small jar like this, you put it in the water, instantly it's full with the ocean. But you know, it's, it's full of the ocean, yet the, the ocean can't fit in my little jar. No matter how many jars I bring, I, I can't fill them with this, with this infinite ocean water. But each time I put my jar in the water, it is filled with the fullness of the ocean. And because Christ is infinite, he can hold all the fullness of deity. And whenever one of us finite creatures dips our tiny ves vessel of our lives <coughs> into him, we instantly become full of his fullness. Maybe this is a, a prayer. We just ask God for a bigger jar. God, I, I want a bigger jar. I want more of your fullness in me. He says, well, I gotta, you gotta make some room in your heart if you want that bigger jar. Then he ends with a doxology. A doxology is a fancy church word. It just means a declaration of praise. A doxology to the God who is able. Listen to these words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.
the important part to see in this declaration of praise is that it is God who is able. It is his power that is at work within us. This is a God thing. This message is not about trying harder. This is a message, this is a prayer to give God your heart, all of it. To allow the Spirit of God to work in you as he says he is doing according to his power that has worked within you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. God is the only one that can give you that bigger jar to experience his fullness as he is working in your life, in your heart. That's what Paul is praying for. That's what Paul is praying for his Ephesians and for us this morning. So now what? Where do we go? Now what? Well, this was you know, part of our, our, our series on, on, on where you fit at Trinity. And it is through our, our small groups, our home groups, our men's and women's groups that we get to pray together. So joining a small group helps you to find a place to obey God's directive to pray for one another. In our home group this year, our time of prayer has been a highlight. A highlight because it, it, it allows us to, to get a window into each of our, 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 our hearts. What we're struggling with, what we're concerned with, what we're scared of, what we're thankful for, and it binds us together to experience community together. This is not community. Now, thankfully, it's not devoid of community, because that'd be terrible, but this is not primarily how we interact and, and, and grow closer in relationship. It just doesn't work. Home groups, men's group, women's group, support groups, that's where we experience community. That's where we pray for one another. If you're not in a group, join a home group, join a men's group, join a women's group. Experience the power of praying for one another. We're gonna give you a little extra time this morning. We're gonna end our service early to give you time to go out on the plaza and see what groups are available. Did Steve say there were like 17 cities that groups were in? I didn't even know there are 17 cities around us. I should look at a map. Um, 11, okay, sorry I missed that part, 11. It's like, dang. See what's out there. See what day works for you. Chances are you're gonna have to manage your schedule and maybe uh, rearrange some things. That might be so, a way that God is challenging you this morning. You gotta rearrange a couple things because this is what you need in your life. This morning I wanna end um, by praying this prayer. Because I wanna pray that that Trinity Church, that you would be strengthened through the Holy Spirit's power in your life. That the Spirit of Christ would indwell your heart and that you would allow him into 
the dining room, the living room, the closets, that you would give him control, that you would give him access. I wanna pray that all of us in this room would in a small way grasp the love of God more so than we did even before we walked into this room. I wanna pray that if you are a follower of Jesus, you would experience the fullness of God that Paul prays for. That your jar would be full and he'd give you a bigger jar so you could be even fuller and continue to bring you towards maturity in Christ Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, what are you waiting for? What's holding you back? You know you can't do this life on your own. It's impossible. And God has provided a way for you to live the life that you have been designed to live. And it starts by admitting that you can't do it. You are a sinner, broken before God. And you can't do anything about it. You're hopeless to change your condition as sinner. To be, believe that Jesus died for that sin. Reconciling you between God and yourself. Removing that sin barrier. And then he died but rose again, proving that he actually did that. He was victorious over sin and death. See, to choose to follow him. To choose to follow him in obedience. To choose to follow him and experience the power of God, the strength of God, the love of God, the fullness of God for yourself. You can do that even this morning. We're gonna have some people up here to pray with you and you can pray quietly even in your own heart and respond to God that way. Would you pray with me? I kneel before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith so that we might be rooted and established in your love. And I pray that we may be able together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to you who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now we're gonna conclude our service now before you run off. Um, if you have kids in children's ministry, leave them there, not all day, but um, <laughs> until 10.45. 10.45, pick them up and then they'll be ready for you, but let them enjoy the last few minutes of their class and then for sure, check out the, the small group ex expel. You are dismissed.